0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message from First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, let me introduce you to a gentleman named Jordan. You don't know Jordan. I don't know Jordan. But I'm going to tell you Jordan's story because it'll match the story of many of us today. Jordan was a two-star athlete And basically what happened was Jordan went off to the University of Kentucky as a two-sport athlete and uh, track and football. And and, And as he's in college, he breaks his ankle, shatters his ankle basically. And oxycotton is a drug that was prescribed to him as a painkiller. And through that painkiller, he got addicted to it. Complications, continued to have complications with his ankle, continued to stay on that drug. Basically, became an addict, a drug addict. He failed two drug tests after that. University of Kentucky suspended his scholarship, kicked him out of school. He goes back home in North Carolina. He gets involved with a group called Teen Challenge. Many of you know them. Teen Challenge restores the lives of teenagers, but doesn't just restore their lives. He presents the gospel to them because they believe there's a deeper reason why they're here than just behavior or addiction. And so through the course of events, Jordan gives his life to Christ and is born again. He no longer introduces himself as, hi, I'm Jordan, an addict. He introduces himself as, hi, I'm Jordan, child of the one true king. I want you to understand something about Jordan. Jordan went back to the University of Kentucky, got his bachelor's degree, got a master's degree. He's a coach and a teacher and soon to be married. There's a word called redeemed, and it's the most precious word you can ever say. Each of us in this room have been redeemed, man. If you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you have been redeemed. He wrote a letter to Matthew West, told Matthew West his story. Matthew West, many of you know, is a Christian artist. And uh, you may have heard his music on the radio. And I want you to read a song or just some words to you that came from Jordan's story. Jordan, as I said, no longer introduces himself as, Hi, I'm Jordan Attic. He introduces himself as, Hi, I'm Jordan, child of the one true king. And Matthew West wrote this song titled, Hello, My Name Is. It says, Hello, my name is regret. I'm pretty sure we have met. Every single day of my life, I'm the whisper inside that won't let me forget. Hello, my name is Defeat, I know you recognize me, just when you think I can win, I'll drag you down and drag you back again, until you lose all hope and all belief. These are the voices and these are the lies, I have believed them for the very last time. Hello, my name is child of the one true king, I have been saved, I have been changed. I've been set free. Amazing grace is a song I sing. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. I am no longer defined by all the wreckage behind. The one who makes all things new has proven it true. Just take a look at my life. What love the father has lavished on us that we should be called his children. I'm a child of the one true king. My friends, if you walked in here and you didn't understand Easter, let me tell you something. That's Easter. The Word says that therefore, if he is in Christ, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. When you see therefore in the Bible, you always want to ask, what's that therefore therefore. Let me tell you why that therefore is therefore. It's there for this reason. So you will understand. That when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. All things are new, my friend. You're buried with Christ in baptism, mm -hmm, and you're raised just like Jesus himself to a new life. My friends, that is Easter. The cross is an incredible thing, but the cross without the tomb is half a story. My friends, a cross is beautiful, but he didn't just die, but he rose again, my friend. He rose again for you and me. I want you to turn in your word to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to look specifically at verse 8, but I want to read the whole thing, not the whole chapter 5, but 1 through 8, if you'll follow with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, and again, you can ask what that therefore is, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him are those whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which he now stands. And we rejoice in this hope, the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given. Look at verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone, die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, understand something. God loves you. Just loves you. He's crazy about you. Let me say something to you. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he does right now. He just loves you. And the first thing that comes in your mind, like most people is, I'm not worthy to be loved. He shouldn't love me, but he does love you. He loves you big time. Let's look at several things. I want to look at the proof of God's love. I want you to go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. God proved his love to us. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 4. Look at 4.4. 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of his sons. At the full time, at the fullness of time. Understand something, that God had set this thing up from the get-go, okay? He knew that he knew we would need a Savior. He knew that we would need Jesus. He set this up from the very get-go. Understand something, that God put all these things in place, and at the fullness of time, the fullness of time, basically it means when god said mary became pregnant through the holy spirit to give birth to whom a child and they shall call his name emmanuel which means god with us jesus he would he would grow up for 33 years would walk the turf that we walk do miracle after miracle a foreshadowing constantly of the cross. He proved, the proof of the love is that he, from the very beginning, was calling us, was calling us. God had it in control. He knew what he was doing. From the very beginning of time, he knew. From the very beginning of time, he knew. His love for us was demonstrated to us by Jesus that word demonstrated is an incredible word. You think about it. For us, if we love somebody, in order for us to receive love, we, or to, for us to love someone, we a lot of times want them to do something. You do this, I'll love you. God's totally the opposite. Before we could ever do anything, he demonstrated his love. That's totally backwards from us. And what happens to us is this. And I'll talk more about this in a little bit. But we, especially in America, especially in Texas, we want to do something for God to love us. We want to be right, do right, act right, say right, smell right, eat right, talk right. we got to earn what he gave us to be free. The free gift of Jesus was a gift for us. We didn't earn it. We just get to receive it. But too many times we want to work our way to the gift. We want to decide our rules to getting there. For many of us, we think if we have enough good things compared to the bad things that we do, if the good outnumbers the bad, then heaven's our home. That would mean that you should have been on the cross and died for yourself. Jesus died for you while yet you were still a sinner. You can't do enough good. Some people say, well, I was just born in church. I just hatched in the nursery at the church, and I've just been a Christian all my life. Friends, (laughs) you can't be, I mean, you can't literally, you can literally be born in church, but you cannot, just because you grow up in church, supernaturally just become righteous and saved. You can't. There's not a church in America, in the world, that can do that for you. If you could be born a Christian, Why in the world does he go to the cross? Why? He doesn't need to. I mean, that's like saying, I I go to McDonald's so I'm a French fry. No. You can't just go to church and be a Christian. You can't. Okay? And so what happens is we just think that's what we do. We have behavioral things that that make us a Christian. Or we see, we go to church enough and we see what Christian people do so we emulate them. We worship like them. We read the Bible. We go to small group. We go to Sunday school. We get involved. We serve. And we're all like, okay, I'm doing all this stuff, man. i got to be safe because that's what all these other Christians are doing. I, I have to be like them. And the problem is we realize that we're still hollow and empty inside even though we do all that stuff. And then we remind God of all the stuff that we're doing for him and how we don't feel any different. We're not a dog and pony show for Jesus we can't just, like a little hamster, get on a little spin, just being, ooh, Jesus, you like what I do? He's like, get off, dude. You're, you're silly, all right? I mean, that's not what you do. He does it in us first, and then we, out of those gifts that he put in us, we serve. If you get it backwards, you're going to burn out and hate church. You're just going to burn out and hate church. Mary and Martha, beautiful story. She says you sit, and then you serve. You don't serve and then sit and grout. You see what I'm doing for you? And you do me like this? Don't keep scoring life. You'll always be miserable. You don't do that. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus did it for you. You have to receive it and then live it out. Too many other, Too many of us want to work for it and feel like we have to achieve it in order to get it. No, no. God demonstrated it to us. Second thing is this, the phenomenon of God's love. He loved us while we were still sinners. That, that, that alone is mind-boggling. He loved us while we were still sinners. I want you to listen to this. I, I, I just want to read it to you because it's so good. It says, Jesus came and clothed himself in human flesh. He came to where we are so that one day we could go to where he is. In other words, he came to earth so we could go to heaven. He was forsaken so we might never be forsaken. Some have put it this way. The Son of God became the Son of Man in order that the sons of men could become the sons of God. Man. He did that while we were yet sinners. I mean, you say, well, I was 10 years old when I got saved. I wasn't really that bad. Well, you were a lot worse than you thought, all right? But some of us were like 40. I remember when we were at Calvary Baptist Church in Longview, Texas, when an 81-year-old man gave his life to Christ. That was a long invitation because it takes a little while for an 81-year-old man to get from back there. I'm sorry if you're 81. I love you. But I'm just telling you, they're not running up here even though they wish they could because your mind will do that eventually, you know. And so understand something. No matter if you are one or 101, there can come a time in your life where you realize that you are a train wreck man that you're a mess you're hollow you're empty you're meaningless you have no purpose you want what they got and you you can simply say as paxton said anyone who calls on the name of the lord shall be saved over the last several months in this church Beautiful story. I don't exactly know why, but it's the one God's writing. We have we've had the privilege. I, I I just I can just recall three men over the age of 30 years old that have gotten saved in the last couple of months. Well, we can now make that four this week. I get a call on a Monday afternoon and said, "Hey," or a text said, "Hey, can we have coffee this week?" bet so we have coffee on Tuesday morning long coffee two hours and 15 minutes of coffee I didn't drink the whole time don't worry I'm still suffering the effects but we we were there that long okay I'm sure the waiter is thinking you better tip good because you're the only table for breakfast right so so through the course of that event the first hour we talk about life the last hour and 15, we talk about Jesus. And I can honestly tell you that today, you will meet this gentleman in a little bit. And before that morning was over, uh, at 34 years old, basically working him himself to death, trying to earn heaven and Christianity and a relationship with Jesus, he gave up. He said, I was never raised to give up. I said, this is not technically giving up here. But you must die first to ever be alive in Christ. And so he, gives his, he gave his life to Christ, born again. Beautiful. I mean, used every napkin we could use at the restaurant. Okay? But I'm going to say something to you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is still active and living today. It, it is still an incredible, incredible thing. And my friends, there are many, many, many people today that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They know about Jesus. They make 100 on the Jesus quiz, and they know about church, but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They're trying so hard to get something they can't get themselves. It is right in front of them. One of the things he said was, I didn't realize it was so easy. It is easy. It's just a free gift. You just got to go get it. You just got to go get it. Last is this. The price of God's love. The price of God's love. I want you to listen to these words. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. I mean, can we get our little peanut around that? Christ died for us. I mean, I'm just looking at my own 47 years. Christ died for me. He died for me. Let me say something to you. If you're the only one in the world, he'd have died for you. Only one. Only one. Only one. What kept him on the cross? His love for you and me. What got him out of that tomb? His love for you and me. My friend, he loves us. And he died for us. I want you to look at, uh, let's go to Galatians. Galatians 2. Galatians 2.20, go there with me. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me me. The old song says this, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mm. And that's got some deep, deep roots in it. Friends, let me say something to you. You will make many, many decisions in your life. But the number one, ultimate, most important decision you'll ever make in your life is the decision to receive Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Most important decision in your life. Many will say, no, nah, choosing a college, choosing a career, choosing a wife. Those are all very important. And my friends, without the choice to receive Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, you will never ever, ever enter heaven. Your career won't get you there. Your wife can't help you. Okay? None of it can. Experience Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Accept Christ as your Savior and Lord and be born again. Poor Nicodemus, he didn't get it. Nicodemus did not understand what Jesus was trying to tell him. Nicodemus knew he was old. He said, how can a man my age and my size go back into my mom and be born again? Jesus said, dude, you are smart, but you are dumb. That is not what I'm trying to say. You must be born again. Let me simplify it for you. He says you got to have two birthdays. That's it. Jesus said in John 3 that you are born once by water. But you must be born again by the Spirit of God. And if you've only been born of water, you have water birth, natural birth. And that won't get you to heaven, no matter who your mommy is. You must be born of the Spirit, be born again from the inside, be changed from the inside. And he tried to tell Nicodemus that, and Nicodemus didn't get it. But later in John, he tells the woman at the well who had five husbands and was living with a man but was empty, empty, hollow, empty. And she came to the well at a time of a day where she hoped and prayed no one would ever be there. And lo and behold, the one that she really needed but didn't know she needed to be there was there. Jesus explained to her that you can keep coming to this well. And stay thirsty, but I can become a well in you, a spring of living water that wells up to eternal life and you'll never be thirsty again. And she simply said, give me this water so I will never be thirsty again. There's some folks in here that are thirsty. and The water hole you've been at hadn't quenched your thirst yet. I want to tell you something because I love you. It's not you ask for the water that Jesus gives this morning and you will be born again. You'll be changed again. When I was talking to that gentleman that I told you about that I had breakfast with when we were visiting him a while ago he said, man, just telling the story gives me cold chills. Oh yeah. It does. Friends, this Easter I pray that Romans 5, 8, that it just, as you meditate on that, you understand what it says in Ephesians. How wide, how deep, how long, how tall is the love of Jesus. Listen to me. Nobody has your DNA. You're special. You're unique. You're individually made and indescribably loved by God. But the difference today is simply this. Not does God love me, but will I let God love me? Will I? I know he loves me, but will I let him love me? He loves you so much. Will you please let him love you today? Will you please, this Easter, maybe for the first time in your life, give up and give your life to Jesus and understand what it means to be dead in Christ now, are buried in Christ, and now alive in Christ Jesus. The true meaning of Easter. true meaning. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, the message is of Easter is simple, Father. You're absolutely incredibly in love with us. Not just in word, but in action. Because you demonstrated your love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us God you're an incredible God to do that God I pray for anyone in this room to sound of my voice father that simply says Jeff I know he died for me but I've never ever ever received Christ never this morning may today be the greatest Easter of your life may you truly understand what the empty tomb means I pray for that individual or individuals that they might give up today, quit trying, quit working for it, and just accept the free gift of Jesus and be born again and saved. God, thank you so very much for the morning. Thank you for what you've said through your word, through worship. God, I pray as we enter this time of invitation, Father, that you would allow us to be obedient to what you have said this morning. Father, on the other side of obedience is always blessing. Maybe this morning we just need to come for prayer. There'll be those down here waiting on you. If you need to have a prayer concern that you could come this morning, just pray with them. Maybe God's led you here to this church to join it this morning. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. Maybe right where you are, you just need to recommit your life to Christ and say, you know what? I'm not just coming on Easter. I'm coming every day from this point. God, what you said this morning, I want to take and walk out every day. So God, just speak to us today, move us today. God, I pray for anyone in